0: The following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Well, good evening. If you're joining us now online, uh, we welcome you remotely and uh, hope that you uh, are blessed by your participation in that way. We will continue this evening our study in Galatians chapter 6 now, the last chapter of Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia. And uh, last time, I think two weeks ago now, we looked uh, primarily at verse 1 of Galatians chapter 6, and so we'll continue on. Starting in verse two, and hopefully we can make our our way this evening all the way to verse five. We'll see how far we can get this evening. Let me uh, read for you, though, beginning in verse one, so that we remember, remind ourselves where we've been, and and then where we're going this evening. And uh, listen as I read and follow along in Galatians chapter six, verse one. Paul there writes to the Galatians, saying, "Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass," You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. And then verse 5, for each one shall bear his own load. Now, last time in verse 1, we saw that a brother in sin must be dealt with. We know that from this passage, as well as other passages which we're familiar with, that speak about the subject of church discipline and the process of that, primarily a text that we often go to to think about this process, is Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, which, uh, which help us uh, deal with the process of, of restoring a sinning brother and, and bringing him to a, a right relationship with God and the church. And that passage tells us how to properly deal with situations like the one here mentioned in verse 1. And in addition to that, in verse 1, we find that those who deal with the sinning brother uh, must be spiritually mature, conduct themselves with a spirit of gentleness, and be watchful, or consider themselves, as verse 1 puts it, lest they be overtaken by a similar sin themselves, or that very sin which that brother has been dealing with. Who are these spiritually mature ones? Well, we said last time it is those who are walking in the Spirit, which Paul has just gotten finished speaking about or writing about in the end of chapter 5. The spiritually mature ones that are to deal with this erring brother are the ones who are walking in the Spirit. They are demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit in their conduct, in their lives, in their behavior. Therefore, they are the ones that are to help in dealing with the process of restoring a brother who has erred in his way. Paul then goes on to say in verse 2 that the spiritually mature have yet another responsibility in the church in addition to restoring a sinful, a sinning brother. They are also to bear one another's burdens. We see this in verse 2 in the beginning. There are many one another passages in the New Testament that are commands. For us as believers to follow. And interestingly, think about this for a moment. In order to keep and to follow these commands, these one and other commands that we find in the New Testament, it requires us to interact with other believers in the church. It's not necessarily mind blowing, but it is a fact. We cannot fulfill these commands independently as a lone ranger. We need the interaction of other believers for our own sanctification in order to fulfill these commands. And just the same, your participation in relationship with other believers is necessary for their sanctification as well. You can't do this on your own. You need those interpersonal relationships in order to, f- to fulfill and follow and, and to obey these commands. And so is true of the command here that we find this evening in verse 2. In fact, there is no other way to do it unless you are interacting with one another. Verse 2, as we already read, says, "Bear Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We see here an explicit command That every believer in the church has the responsibility to bear one another's burdens. Well, we have to ask ourselves this question then. What is the meaning of bearing burdens? What does it mean to bear burdens of one another? The word burden is from the Greek word, baras, which refers to heavy loads that are difficult to lift up or to carry. And it also carries this idea of endurance, not just a once-and-done kind of a deal, but a continual action for the sake of one another. It's a way of living, a way of Christian living, not just a once-and-done act. What kind of loads, then, are we bearing for one another? What does this entail? What kind of things are we to bear up for one another It is anything that is burdensome, wearying, and troublesome to a person, to another believer in Christ. In the context here, we could say that in light of what's been talked about as far as a sinning brother, it could mean accountability or other measures to help them steer clear of falling back into the same sort of sin that they just were in. In doing so, in helping them in that way, you are bearing them up, you are sustaining them, you are helping them, carry this burden. In this case, perhaps a burden of temptation that is following them. Remember, to be freed from sin does not mean that we are freed yet from all of temptations. We still are tempted as a believer. Even the most spiritually mature ones continue to be tempted by sin. But the fact is, or the key is, that by walking in the Spirit he is able to resist falling into that temptation and that sin. Realize that the weight of temptation is not something that is solely to be dealt with on an individual level. We see this here in verse 2. If by bearing one another this means that we are helping others, keeping them accountable, offering help to them in the midst of temptation, that means that dealing with temptation is not something that is solely an individual thing. To think that you can make it alone without the help of other believers is not a sign of spirituality, but of conceit, of pride, of arrogance, thinking that you can overcome situations in your own strength. We've already kind of answered this question in talking about this, but we could also, and also should ask ourselves, who is responsible to do the bearing of burdens? Well, as we already said, This is a command to all believers. It doesn't matter whether your spiritual maturity, it is your responsibility to be involved in this effort. As fellow believers, we are responsible to help one another carry his or her load, whatever it may be. Now, this doesn't mean that if the believer falls back into sin, that anyone but himself is to be blamed for that. He himself is blameworthy for falling back into that sin. But what it does mean is that the believers should be helping sustain one another so that they can and are walking in the Spirit, resisting that temptation, offering that help. In the case that perhaps a brother does fall back into that sin... Perhaps thinking back to verse 1 and that brother there that was overtaken in the first place and then falls back into that same sin, it means that the believers, the other believers then, should help them get back on their feet. They've fallen. What is the responsibility then? To restore them, help them. You don't leave them to squander and, and to, to make it on their own as if, well, you got yourself into that problem, get yourself out. True enough, they are responsible, but that does not mean that we neglect them. We help them. We help restore them and we help carry their burden. Paul then goes on to teach us and teach the Galatians what is the result of bearing one another's burdens. At the end of verse 2, he says, "...bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ." So by bearing one another's burdens, Paul is saying, you fulfill the law of Christ in doing so. In helping carry the burdens, the wearisome uh, things of life, in helping keep one another uh, away from temptation, you so are fulfilling the law of Christ. How so? The result of helping uplift others in their burdens in some situations Means that you have fulfilled the law of Christ, and in the most general terms, this refers to all that is commanded of a Christian. That is what it means, or that is what the law of Christ is. It is the summation of all that that has been commanded of the of believers and Christians. Perhaps more specifically, we could say it refers to the command to love one another. Remember back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 14. Look with me there. What did Paul write to the Galatians there? He said, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, or we could say one statement, one message, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul here then is saying something very significant that mutual burden bearing on the part of Christians completely satisfies the demands of the law. By mutually bearing up one another's burdens, you have completely satisfied the demands of the law of Christ. How or why? Because by your actions, you are obeying the summation of that law, which is what? To love One another. To bear one another up is to love one another and to satisfy the demands of this law. Paul goes on though with a word of warning to this group of believers. He says in verse 3 For if anyone thinks himself to be something, When he is nothing, he deceives himself. Now, Pastor referred to this verse on Sunday evening. when We talked about self-deception, and that's where we're going this evening as we look at this verse. Paul here is warning the believers to not be conceited, because if they are conceited about themselves and who they think they are, they are actually self-deceived. Let's think about this for a moment. And break this apart. perhaps uh, we do not have a burden at this moment that we have or that we feel we are carrying, but we have opportunity to help someone else who is. And maybe we think uh, that oh, it's not our responsibility to, to help them with their burden perhaps because we have elevated ourselves in our spirituality, to think that we are something, we're too high level, we're not like them. We would never fall into that kind of situation. We would never have that kind of load to carry because of, of our character and because of uh, who we are and, and our level of spirituality, so to speak. We think perhaps that we are above that, whatever it may be. And we're morally good, and we don't have to empathize with the problems of other people. In short, we think ourselves to be something, as Paul writes here in verse 3. But such an attitude is just ignorance and arrogance, because the Bible says he is nothing. He is nothing. Or perhaps we could word it another way and say he thinks himself to be something not being anything. We might think we are so good and not notice the own, our own log in our own eyes or our own burden to carry that we have. And this means that we must have a sober estimation of ourselves to conclude that in reality i am actually nothing like pastor was sharing the other evening on sunday evening the issue here is that we have buried the truth what is the truth we are nothing and in so doing so we are self deceived to think that we are something that we are above that person in their in their burden that we don't need to help them and not just that—that that we ourselves would never have such a burden, a load to carry. Therefore, we don't empathize with them. We don't—we don't—we uh, don't place ourselves on the same level to be able to carry their burden with them and to empathize with their issues and their troubles. Instead, we have self-elevated ourselves above anyone else. In doing so, we've become conceited, and we've—we've. We've forgotten to examine ourselves and that's what Paul continues on to say here in the rest of this this portion of text verse 3 Paul then as we said writes for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing he deceives himself verse 4 but let each one examine his own work And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Now, Paul here exhorts them to not only not think of themselves as something, but also to examine their works. To not be self-deceived, but rather examine their works and then boast in what God has accomplished through their obedient lives, through what God has done in them. The translation's use of let each one examine perhaps is a little bit misleading because it's not as if it's something that's a permissive thing, like you're allowed to do this. It's a command. It's an exhortation. You do this. You shall do this. Each one must examine his own work. The verb here, examine, means uh, to test or approve something. Like in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, where we are to examine ourselves before the Lord's table. The instruction there is to examine ourselves, to see whether there is sin or sin in our lives, things in our lives that need to be dealt with before we come to the table. And, and likewise, in this case, Paul similarly, similarly puts to examine yourself, to test yourself, to see the intents of your heart, to see where you are at and where your relationship with God is to see if there be anything that needs to be dealt with in your life. Perhaps sin of yourself in your own life that needs to be dealt with and you need the help of other brothers to deal with and to help uh, you be restored. The word examine is also a... a, uh, In Greek, it it means to continue to examine examine it. It has that idea of not just a once-and-done thing, as we said earlier, but a continual action. We continually examine ourselves. We are to examine our work in the sense of our spiritual life, our works, and our service for God. Here it is clear that we are talking about measuring to God's standard, not the standard of another person. As he writes here in verse 4, he says, Let each one examine his own work, the things he's done for the Lord, his own obedience to the word, his ministry, his life. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another we are to, our, to examine ourselves in light of God and what He has, and the standard that he has for us in his word. Not examine ourselves in light of the person in the pew next to us. Where do I rate, you know, compared to him? <laughs> I'm up here. Make ourselves feel good. A self-elevation. The, the very thing that Paul is warning them not to do earlier. to not think of himself as something because he 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 has compared himself with a fellow brother in his situation. Rather, we are to measure our works and our life, our spiritual life, in light of God's standard. We will then humbly recognize that our work does not justify us to think of ourselves as being something at that point. Rather, we will see plainly that we don't measure up totally or simply, we could say, even at all. It's only because of what Christ has done in us that we are who we are. Perhaps thinking back to verse 1, The person who has been overtaken by sin and then been restored is in a state of humility. They have been humbled by what they've gone through and had to experience for their own spiritual good. And they are almost, if we could say, in a better position at that point than the one who thinks of himself to be something. Because he has self-deceived himself to think he is so spiritual that there is no humility in, in his thinking. Whereas the person who has been overtaken in sin in that moment recognizes he is nothing except for the work of Christ in his life. However, to the extent that we do measure up, to some extent when we examine ourselves and our work, we can have some God-honoring satisfaction and joy in seeing that God has done a work in our lives. We can rejoice in what God has done. We can examine ourselves and thank the Lord for the things that he has accomplished in us, for, the, for helping us walk in obedience to his word. We can rejoice in those things, not as a measure or a means of boasting, but as a measure and a means of praising the work of God in our lives. And helping us and spurring us on to more love and good works. Paul then writes in verse five, For each one shall bear his own load. Now, you might be puzzled for a moment and scratch your head and think, Okay, how does this how does this correlate with the rest of what Paul has just said? Because The whole essence of this message here in verses 2 through 4, I thought, was to bear one another's burdens. And now Paul says, you are to bear your own load. Well, we need to uh, understand for a moment that uh, the load that Paul is writing about here in verse 5 is not directly synonymous with the same kind of bearing up of one another's burdens that we see in verse 2. There is a bit of distinction here. And in verse 5 the emphasis is on our own responsibility to walk with Christ, to be a follower of Christ that is intentionally obeying his word and walking in the spirit. It is a reference to the load or the responsibilities that we personally have as believers in Christ, to walk in the word. And it also has a a future essence or or idea to it, where it's looking forward to the point in which we will stand before Christ and we will uh, be rewarded for our works, the Bema Seat of Christ. And so Paul is, is causing the Galatians uh, to look forward to the point in which Christ will examine them and then reward them for their faithful obedience as responsible followers and believers of Christ. And in doing so then, in this present time, Paul then is exhorting them to bear that load, that responsibility as a as a believer of Christ to walk in faithful obedience to to Christ so that one day when they stand before him and their and their works are examined, they will be found walking having walked obediently and having walked in the spirit not in the flesh so then as we conclude this evening consider forth me for a moment uh, in this time that we're in uh, how, how can we bear one another's burdens up how can we do that how can we, how can we carry the load of one another Our our opportunities have been mitigated to one extent or another through this pandemic. But there are still ways in which we can do this. And we need to be careful in light of the fact that we are somewhat separated these days and not interacting as much as we, we have been able to in the past, that we do not forsake this responsibility to bear one another's burdens. For some, it might be if you're stuck at home. Calling one another, like Pastor just exhorted us earlier, and to care for them in that way, their spiritual well being. And for us who are here, it means being intentional with the conversations that we have, the limited time that we spend together. It means that we are intentional with what we talk about and how uh, we care for one another. We don't simply come, we don't simply sit in the benches, so to speak, and, and cheerlead one another on, but we are there if I could say, on the field or on the court, bearing up with one another their burdens. We are a part of their Christian life. We are a part of their walk in the Spirit. So much so that we feel the weight of their burdens as well, not just our own. That's my encouragement to you. That's Paul's encouragement to the Galatians. And I hope uh, we can embrace that and live by that this week as we, we go our ways. Let's pray this evening. Our heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we've had this evening, Lord. Uh, we thank you for that sweet hour of prayer that we had together, and uh, raising up uh, the things that are on our hearts, Lord. The things that weary us, that in one sense trouble us, Lord. We, I pray that we would have a uh, a heartfelt consideration. For the burdens of one another, so much so that we we in one sense feel the weight of what they're going through. Lord, if it be things of their uh, of sin in their lives that needs confessing and and restoration needs to take to take place, Lord, help us to be intentional with that. Lord, if it just be the burdens of life, the spiritual warfare that takes place, anything, Lord, uh, that comes in the path of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, help us to be uh, not self-elevated, thinking that uh, we are too much of something to be able to empath- empathize with them and to help them, but to consider ourselves, to examine ourselves, and remind ourselves that without Christ, we, we would uh, absolutely be nothing at all. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be thoughtful about this as we go through our week, Lord, and in our days. And uh, we ask for your strength and help in this area. We pray this in your name. Amen.